For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust and rely on by helping you across all the places where you write the most. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply quickly with suggestions based on your context and goals. Accelerate productivity for you and your teams. More than 30 million people rely on Grammarly to help them with their writing today. Applying to new jobs? With Grammarly by your side, you can apply to your dream job with confidence by tailoring your cover letter and revising your resume in seconds. A big presentation coming up? Let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. For your next vacation, it can help you create a whole itinerary. Grammarly is here to assist you at every step of your writing so you can show up with confidence. You'll be amazed at what you can do. Go to Grammarly.com slash go to download for free. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash go. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Tuesday as we really begin a brand new week. This is your go-to for Hot Liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming. I read them all, I see them all, and I'm so grateful for you guys. Well, I hope you all had a fantastic Labor Day weekend wherever you were. Here in the Northeast, the weather was absolute perfection. 
beach days from Friday through yesterday, Monday, Labor Day, just glorious weather, low humidity, bright sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. So yes, I was outside all weekend long, and I hope you guys, wherever you were, whatever you were doing, you were able to enjoy it uh, with friends or family. And now we kick off a brand new season, although technically it is still summer for another 17 days, which I will not allow you to forget. I'm a summer girl all the way, although I do enjoy the other seasons, but summer is my favorite. And there's such a melancholy that comes with uh, Labor Day, right? I think we talked about this last week. There is like this pang of, oh man, right? It's like the Sunday scaries on steroids, (laughs) Labor Day weekend. Um, And this first week of September, same thing. And maybe it harkens back to when we were all going back to school and we all had that sort of sense of dread, even though we wanted to see our friends, we wanted to start a new grade, we wanted to start a new chapter. There was that sort of sinking feeling, right? Like, oh man, another school year, giving up the freedom of summer with your toes in the grass, running through the sprinklers. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a hangover to that, but I feel that melancholy. On the flip side, here we go. We are into September. Uh, Fall is right around the corner. And we are now in a new political season as well, which is only going to ramp up as we move forward. So you are going to want to be here for this show going forward. uh, And you're going to want to tell everybody you know, because we are going to be all over this election season for the next 14 months and beyond, because the things that the left has prepared for us, nobody has any idea. They do not suffer as we do from a deficit of imagination. By the way, they're already talking about, you know, reinstating some of this medical tyranny that we saw with COVID. Will you comply? I don't think so. But they're going to try, and while the focus now is on COVID-19 and a resurgence of some new variant or whatever they're trying to scare us with now, don't underestimate their ability to pull something new out of their back pocket. Fear is government's most effective weapon. I will always remind you of that. So now that we know what they were capable of in 2020 to stop one Donald J. Trump and to try to stop the America First movement and to reinstall the great resetters from the Obamas straight on down, and we're going to get to the Obamas here in a second. But now that we know what they are capable of, as we saw in 2020, Brand new virus, shut down the global economy, burn America to the ground, rig an election, January 6th, impeachments. I mean, it's mind-boggling. So now that we know that they are capable of all of that, what do you think that they have in store for next year? I really doubt that it is simply just tying Donald Trump up in court, draining his resources, trying to throw him off the ballot via the 14th Amendment, which is completely unconstitutional, but that doesn't mean they're not going to try it. They want the country tied up in knots, as they had us tied up in knots in 2020. So don't just think, oh, Trump's going to be in court all of next year. That's their plan. That is part of their plan. But they have something much bigger. I don't know what it is, 
because I don't have an evil mind like they do. And probably neither do you. But trust me when I tell you, they have some big stuff planned. And that is why you are going to want to be at this show every single week, every show that we put up, because we anticipate what the left is going to do. I have been studying the left now for longer than I want to know. But I've been studying them and their leaders and how they think, how they behave, what they do for a very long time. And that is why you are going to want to be here at this show in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Okay? So make sure you tell everybody you know. By the way, speaking of COVID and how they want to pull that trigger again, Dr. Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, once again, has tested positive for COVID. Did she really test positive for COVID or are they just trying to uh, fear monger again? Try to scare everybody. Oh, COVID-19, weird new variant back on the march. Look out, put on that mask, put another needle in your arm. I don't know. Maybe she tested positive again and they're telling us the truth. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But this woman has had COVID before, she has COVID again, and you know how many needles she's put in her arm? Four. Dr. Jill got the initial two, and then she's had two boosters, and yet she's still contracting COVID because COVID is highly contagious. And as we've had a lot of doctors on this show, from Peter McCullough to you name it, to Naomi Wolf on this program, all talking about how the mRNA experimental shots are immunosuppressive, meaning they suppress your natural immune system. They suppress your body's natural ability to fight COVID and other things. So Dr. Jill uh, is isolating at their beach house. Maybe it's just an excuse to squeeze another week out at the beach. I don't know. I don't know. They say her symptoms are mild. Okay. What does that even mean anymore, right? So we're going to be all over the uh, next chapter of encroaching tyranny, medical tyranny or other forms of tyranny that they have prepared for us uh, going into next year because, look, that's the only way that they can win. they got to rig it through fear and uh, election rigging. So we're going to be all over this stuff going forward. Also, I want to say, uh, coming up later this week, Larry Elder, who's my longtime friend, longtime talk radio host all over TV. He's just a brilliant, extraordinary man. He is running for president on the Republican side. Obviously, I'm supporting President Trump, but I also support my friends in terms of having real conversations with them. Larry Elder uh, being one. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's been on this show as well. He's making another incredible contribution to the national conversation, as is Larry Elder, who is focusing on uh, fatherlessness, the black community. He's raising a lot of really important issues in this national conversation, and I can't wait to talk to him. I've known him for a long time. He is going to be here on this program on Thursday, not to be missed. Also coming up on the show in the weeks ahead, Matt Gates. Jack Posobiec, Riley Gaines, Jesse Kelly, you know me, Park, who is an incredible woman. She fled North Korea, and she has some things that she wants to tell us about communism. 
and its foothold here in America and how we are at a tipping point. And if we don't wake up fast, our future may not be North Korea, but it's certainly China, which is what our leaders actually want. So many more great guests coming up as well, plus all of the news and analysis that you've come to expect on this show, the Monica Crowley podcast. So lots to look forward to as we kick off unofficial fall, and I'm so grateful for you guys. All right, first up, the Monica memo. All roads lead back to Barack Obama. We are going to cover this extensively in the days and the weeks ahead. Okay, and I want to do it all in one show because there's volumes of information here. But I want to cover it in the shows well into the future, because not only is Barack Obama himself the ringmaster to all of the evil going on now, but because his wife may run for president You're seeing more and more stories coming at us about the potential for Michelle Obama to run for president. This is something that I, once again, I think I was the first public person to mention this at CPAC in, what, late February of 2021. The entire room of thousands of people went silent when I said it from the stage. We have had our friend Joel Gilbert on with his documentary, Michelle Obama 2024. Uh, If you haven't gone to see that, you can stream it. Just watch it. It'll blow you away. What a fraud she is. But none of that may stop this train. If they have in mind that they want Michelle to replace him, not much is going to stop that. So it is incumbent on us to blow apart exactly what Barack Obama has been up to. Let's begin our series in taking apart Barack Obama and what's really going on here. Let's begin with this. In early February of 2018, I wrote a column for The Hill that a friend of mine and loyal listener to this podcast, her name is Dawn, I've known her for a long time, she is fantastic, she listens to the show, she's probably the first one to download it as soon as each show goes live, and I'm so grateful for her and for her friendship. And she sends me things from time to time. And she sent me this. She called this column that I wrote back in 2018 to my attention. I reread it, and man, is it prescient. Keep in mind, at the time Donald Trump was president, and the war against him was raging At the same time, we were beginning to hear about the crimes committed by those very high up in the Obama administration to create, design, set up, and execute the Russia hoax, which crippled the Trump presidency and the country for years. So when I wrote this column in early uh, 2018, we knew some of what Obama, Biden, Clapper, Brennan, Rice, Yates, Strzok, Page, Comey, and so many others in the Obama administration had done, but we didn't know the extent of it. Now we do, or at least we know much of it, not all. But when I wrote this column in early 2018, we had only seen the tip of the iceberg. So I want to go through it with you because it's going to blow you away. Here we go. Okay, listen. Quote, 
In all of the discussions about the political weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI, alleged corruption at the highest echelons of those agencies and serial abuse of the secret FISA process surrounding the 2016 election, one name has been conspicuously absent. President Barack Obama. High-ranking officials and other major players in those agencies, which Obama oversaw, are increasingly embroiled in the growing scandal. James Comey, Loretta Lynch, Andrew McCabe, Andrew Weissman, Sally Yates, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr. Given the tight control Obama exercised over every part of his administration and agenda, the idea that any of these appointees and loyalists freelance their activities without at least his tacit approval or that of his White House strains credulity. These kinds of abuses of power were nothing new. Given the Obama team's long history of this type of misconduct on everything from the Benghazi terror attack to the political misuse of the IRS. They weaponized the most fearsome government agencies to target, monitor, and presumably illegally unmask political opponents, including members of Congress, journalists reporting unfavorable stories, Trump allies, and average Americans. These dark institutional offenses didn't just materialize out of thin air. One of the criticisms of President Nixon was that even though he wasn't aware of the Watergate break-in and had not ordered it, he had created an environment in which such an action was acceptable. Decades later, Obama created a climate in which the potentially criminal misuse of the DOJ and the FBI, as currently being unraveled, was not just acceptable, but perhaps encouraged, thereby giving rise to what could be the most dangerous scandal in American history. It's increasingly apparent that these recently exposed abuses of power serve two ostensible purposes. To secure Hillary Clinton's candidacy by shielding her from prosecution stemming from the use of her unauthorized private server and to derail the candidacy and presidency of Donald Trump. But something else, something more profound, drove their efforts. Their urgency to preserve what Obama once called, quote, the fundamental transformation of the nation. A grand project much bigger than Obama himself or any other single figure. He largely fulfilled the long-held progressive ambition of changing the nation's course, only to see Trump threaten to change it once again, not to return it to where it was pre-Obama, but to smash the corrupt existing order that had made their progressive advances possible. Obama and the leftist movement over which he has presided could not tolerate a reversal of their gains by Trump, no less, so they got to work. And then I review uh, what they did from the Russia hoax, the uh, FISA warrants, everything that they did with regard to the Russia hoax. And of course, you know, over time, we've learned that there's so much more uh, going on here, right? So here's how I end the piece, quote, 
Obama and his allies have never taken their eyes off the prize. They cannot allow their progressive gains to be erased and replaced by far more successful economic and national security policies and their history of abuses to be exposed. Having never expected a Trump victory, the Obama and Clinton squads have been throwing the kitchen sink at him in an effort to protect themselves and to try to backstop their hard-won, transformative achievements. Restoring the progressive revolution is also why loyal Obama soldiers such as Biden and Eric Holder are considering White House runs. In the meantime, they must try to destroy Trump, his agenda, and the investigations that are quickly turning against them. After all, if Trump doesn't just endure but succeeds, Obama, Clinton, their brigades, and the larger decades-long radical movement have everything to lose. This was my column for The Hill, February 12th, 2018. You can go look it up. It's posted on my social media as well. This article, the reason I'm reading it to you now is because back then, five years ago, I could see it. Other people could see what was actually going on here. And I wanted to start with that to frame our conversations about Barack Obama and his team his army of weaponized leftists and radicals who are controlling the current president with Biden simply being used as a puppet. They are driving everything we're seeing now, all of the evil, all of the radical policies, all of the implosions, every catastrophe that we're seeing is A, being done on purpose, and B, being driven by Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, the entire Obama squad that either never left power, well, they had to for four years in many cases when Trump was in office, but are now back in government executing, or they're on the outside like Barack and Michelle running the show. If you want to understand the entire Biden, quote unquote, presidency, and then how we're going forward here, you have to understand where we have been in the Obama years And that's what we're going to do going forward. I wanted to start with this piece uh, that I wrote in 2018 because it sets it up perfectly. We are in the middle of this revolution. And yes, it is a Marxist revolution, but even more importantly, it is a revolution about power. All communists, and you know me, Park, who's coming up later this month on the show, she's going to tell us this. Jesse Kelly will tell us this as well. Anybody who knows anything about Marxism and communism, of course it is about the ideology. Of course it is about transforming a society. Of course it is about control. And they use all kinds of levers to grab that control. They use covid They use the green agenda. They use everything that you're seeing now is a lever to gain control over the population, over you and me. But the ultimate goal for all communists is power. So yes, they believe in all this radical leftist Marxist stuff, but the ultimate goal, the purpose of all of it is power. Obama was trained in this, he understands it, and he is exercising it to this very day. More on this 
in the Monica Crowley podcast to come. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk to our good friends, Kevin and Sam Sorbo, about their new film. And now that the school year has really kicked off across the country, we're going to talk about homeschooling with Sam Sorbo, who is such a forceful advocate for this. And if you don't know much about it, you're going to want to hear it. Plus, they do have a fantastic, really fun new movie out, which we all have to support. So fascinating and fun conversation coming up with the Sorbos right on the other side. Sit tight. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome back to the show my very good friends, Kevin and Sam Sorbo. Both are accomplished actors, as you well know. Kevin is, of course, the Hercules legend. Sam played Serena on that show as well. And both of them have gone on to act in, write, direct, and produce many other projects, including many Christian films and family-friendly films, which are so important if we're going to change the culture. We talk about this all the time on this show, and that's why I love to have guests like Kevin and and Sam here to talk about what they are doing to change the culture. We can all talk a good game, but Kevin and Sam are actually putting their money and their talents where their mouths are. They're also very big, outspoken advocates for homeschooling, so we're going to talk to them about that as well as we kick off this brand new school year. They also have a new film. They are never sedentary. Kevin and Sam never take a moment to rest. They always have these incredibly important and fascinating things going on. They've got a new film called Miracle in East Texas. Kevin also has a brand new book out about the importance of masculinity called The Test of Lionhood. You can go to bravebooks.com, check it out, go get it. You got to see the new film and get Kevin's new book. Kevin and Sam Sorbo, join me now. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Hi. Hi, it's great to have you here. Kevin, you've been on the show before, but Sam, I'm not sure you have yet. This is your debut. No. It's my debut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad to have you both here, and you're such dear friends. And it's always a blessing to hang out with you guys, whether in person or like this. So we've got a lot to cover with you today, um, because as I said, you always have so much going on, and there's so much going on in the country. Let's start with your new film. Again, it's called Miracle in East Texas. Kevin, why don't we start with you, because... This movie has had a really interesting origin from back in the 1950s or 60s, right? Tell us how it came about. Oh, you got to go back to 1930. This is right in the heart of the Great Depression. Wow. And uh, it's a true story. It was actually written by Dan Gordon. Dan Gordon is an Oscar-nominated writer. He wrote The Hurricane for Denzel Washington. He wrote White Earp, Kevin Costner. And he wrote 60 episodes of Highwood Heaven for Michael Landon. He's done a lot of great stuff. And he brought this script to me, and we'd worked with Dan before. Sam and him collaborated on a script that we shot um, called uh, Let There Be Light, which is another one that uh, was is in theaters for about four months. Uh, Sean Hannity actually funded that one. That did very well for us in theaters, and Dan became a good friend, and I loved the script. And we said, we got to do this. I directed this one as well. Got a wonderful cast with uh, John Ratzenberger. We got uh, uh, Sam's in it. 
We got uh, Lou Gossett Jr. We got Tyler Maine. I mean, it's just a great story about these two con men that would go through Oklahoma and Texas. The con men are played by myself and John Ratzenberger, and they would woo widows out of their money in fake oil wells. And they would sell 500% of the shares. And then they declare a dry hole, move on to the next town. Well, they get to Texas and by accident strike oil in East Texas and the largest oil find in the history of the world at that time. And, of course, they get arrested. Um, it's a wonderful true story. It's PG rated. It's family friendly. It's a romantic comedy. It won a film festival for that. It won best audience favorite, judges favorite, family. I mean, it's won, it won 10 different film festivals. And it's just an amazing, fun story. And people can go right now. We have a Fathom event. It comes out the end of October. Tickets are on sale now at SorboStudios.com. Go to SorboStudios.com. Sign up now because Fathom events, that people will know what they do, you only get two days with them. But if you sell out the theaters, you'll get more days and more screenings. So we need, you know, that us, us independent marketers don't have a hundred, hundred million dollar advertising budget like they do for uh, failed movies like Indiana Jones, you know, and Galaxy Quest. And things like that. So <laughs> yeah. we need, we, we need people, we need people to jump on board right now, get the tickets, pay it forward, tell 10 people to tell 10 other people, SorboStudios.com. It is a wonderful, wonderful family movie. And it's a type of movie people keep stopping me for at airports and say, we need more of your movies. Well, here they are, because these are movies that Hollywood used to do that had fun and laughter and redemption and hope and all those kind of things that they just don't do anymore. They just want to do movies that are filled with anger and hate. That That is exactly right. And like I said, we talk about changing the culture a lot on this program. I know you guys do. And as I said, you really put your money and your talents where your mouth are, your mouths are, um, because you really generate this kind of content that we should all be supporting and we will all support. In fact, Kevin, I think the last time you were here, you were promoting Let There Be Light and it was the same kind of thing and we got so many people out there. We also saw a similar dynamic with Sound of Freedom, which was not a Fathom event. That was a wide release, but that just took off. So we want to do the same thing for all of your content as well, including this film, Miracle in East Texas. Um, Sam, I Kevin just mentioned that you are in this movie. He also mentioned it was a romance as well. Are you the love interest for your husband on screen? <laughs> well, I'm one of them, but he's such a philanderer. I'm not the only one. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but um, you know, my, my favorite part of this film and the reason, one of the reasons that we decided that this was a, a story worth telling is of the, the redemptive elements in the film. The, the, one of the themes of the film is the theme of forgiveness, which is, of course, the foundation of our faith. It's one of the traditional values that Americans hold. And so this film is a really great representation of America and the America that, that used to be and hopefully can be again if, um, if people will, if, you know, if this story can resonate with the, with the, uh, the citizenry. And so that's, that's what we're hoping is, you know, we, we try to make films that inspire as well as entertain. And this is an example of that. We, we want people to go to the theater, laugh, have a great time, but also leave the theater feeling uplifted and inspired by a, a, just a great, uh, inspired by true events story about about redemption about forgiveness and um and that's what this story really is it's a lot of fun boy do we need those messages now more than ever redemption salvation forgiveness uh those are critical well, that's themes what the cancel culture is 
Right. The cancel culture is unforgiveness, right? And nobody likes it, and we're all afraid of it. Well, there's one way to, to get, get it gone is to practice forgiveness. That's it. And that's why we need this kind of pop culture content to remind everybody of that. Because, you know, we see a lot of your colleagues in Hollywood. In fact, just recently, uh, Jennifer Aniston spoke to the Wall Street Journal and said, cancel culture is a cancer and it needs to be eradicated. Well, okay, but what are you, Jennifer Aniston, doing to eradicate cancel culture? Didn't she just try to cancel Jamie Foxx for speaking out on, I forget the issue, you, but I mean, it was, it may have been the gender agenda. I don't know, but it was something, but you guys are actually producing content that take on cancel culture with real uh, grounded messages of faith and redemption, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the point. Um, and it's, it's too bad when people act hypocritically, um, you know, but that's, that's human nature. The fact is, if you're if you're going to call out a problem, let's let's maybe have a solution at hand, and that's what we try to do. We try to provide solutions um, because we want to see we want we want to see the culture move back towards the traditional American values that we hold so so dear, and um, we we think that we've uh, you know abandoned them at our own peril. There's a reason that this nation is the greatest nation in the history of the world. This nation created the greatest uh, uh, leaps, uh, the greatest expanse of human prosperity worldwide okay never before seen and there's a reason for that and it's because of our traditional values that's why and uh, we we let those go at our own peril well monica i i think i'm one of the original members of the cancel culture club before it even became a term because hollywood <laughs> hollywood booted me out like a dozen years ago saying we can't work with you anymore because you're being a christian and conservative which apparently is kryptonite to tinseltown so what are you going to do um it's it was hilarious i said wow you guys are the ones screaming for tolerance uh and you scream for freedom of speech but we all know the hypocrisy that they are. That's a one-way street with them, just like our politicians. I mean, they wear their hypocrisy on their sleeves everywhere now. It's amazing to me. So we, I just said, you know, Sam, let's go do our own stuff. So Sorbo Studios was born, and we've done movies with Sorbo Studios, and because of the independent world out there that likes the movies I do, I get booked by other production companies that do indies as well that are family-friendly. So I'm going to, thank God, I, I keep on working. I think I've shot over 50 movies since Hollywood kicked me out, which I'm fine with. They're not going to call me in for their big movies anymore, but that's okay. You know, Hollywood doesn't owe me anything. I had a great run with Hercules and Andromeda, 12 years. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double, And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. 
Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier, too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. With that and did some wonderful movies for another six, seven years before they booted me out. But, you know, to me, it's like... Um, I. I I'm going to keep doing the fight that I'm going to do. I'm not afraid of people coming after me because it doesn't matter what we say. They're going to, I can say it's a beautiful blue day on, on Twitter. And I still get people say, Oh, I hope you die. You know, I, mean, these, <laughs> yes. I know I'm dealing with very, very unhappy people, but these are miserable people. Let's face it. These are people that don't like who they are. They look in the mirror and hate what they see. And that's a tough way to go for their life. So they keep digging a deeper hole by putting hate on everybody else, thinking that's going to make them feel better temporarily. In reality, it just makes them feel worse. Did they tell you straight up? Kevin, that it was because of your conservative political values and your Christian faith that you were not oh, going to yeah. get book jobs anymore? They told you that directly? Directly, straight up. Yep. Mm. So there you go. Look, it's 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 sad, and it's weird that we have to go through this, but that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm already, this cancel culture thing is weird. I get, I used to all kinds of autograph shows. Now they're, they're calling up and saying, oh, we can't book you anymore because we got a dozen emails saying if Sorbo shows up, we're going to cause problems. And I'm going, so you have you have 50,000 people showing up. You're running about 12 emails? Really? So all of a sudden, these punks who I don't know have a way of dipping their hands into my pocket and, and, and taking a, you know, sort of a side job I've been doing for the last 20 years doing these autograph shows. So it's just weird to me. It's just that I always say, let me, let me give me their emails. I want to meet my, uh, my people that are my uh, attacking me. I should, they know who I am. Why can't I know who they are? You know? So it's like, it's amazing. We live in a world now that we're guilty until proven innocent. It's so insidious and it's evil. And I am not yeah. afraid to use the word evil. I know you guys aren't as well, but this is really insidious, evil, evil stuff. And the people who yep. bend to the 12 people who send in the emails, they are such cowards. The cowardice is running yep. rampant, whether it's corporate America or government or big tech or whatever. The cowardice is rampant. And the result is that the evil uh, doers and the the insidious uh, left-wing uh, operatives and activists, the, those inmates are the ones running the asylum. And to your point, Kevin, they have a direct impact on your life because it, it affects your ability to uh, earn money, your livelihood, your ability to support yourself and your family. It is so deeply evil. I had Jim Caviezel on when Sound of Freedom came out. I've also had Kirk Cameron on. And, you know, Caviezel said to me, Monica, I, you know, I had, like you, Kevin, I had a really substantial acting career going. Then I did The Passion of the Christ, and, and then it was sort of pretty much over. And he said, I, I got, I came to peace. I prayed on it. I talked to God about it. I will never get a Marvel movie because Hollywood is just not down with my personal beliefs. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay because God gave me this talent and I'm going to use it for good. Not for myself, not for evil, but for good. Well, Monica, you gave you know me a long think- 
Sam, I, I'm pardon, you got me a long segue there, Monica. That leads into why I, I did a book called The Test of the Lionhood for Brave Books, because uh, you're, a lot of these people are attacking me are a bunch of wimps. They're not men. They're not men. And my book is all about uh, embracing masculinity because we've been emasculating men for decades. But the last 10 years, it's just accelerated on itself. And this book with Brave Books, and thank God the books that they do, they have, a you know, the target audience is 4 to 12-year-olds. And uh, my book is about... Uh, Letting boys be boys. Let boys be boys. Let them grow up the way they want to grow up. Decide what they want to be when they become adults. Don't push things on them when they're in third grade, for crying out loud. So my job is to try to make Hollywood manly again. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm looking for right now. Because you look at Barbie. I mean, successful movie. But what is the message in Barbie? Women don't need men. Men are men are pushed to the back. They're not important whatsoever. And I say if you eliminate the patriarchy, we're going to eliminate the human race. Because the Bible teaches us to honor your father. But what do sitcoms do? What have sitcoms done over the last 30, 40 years? The majority of them, the dad's kind of dumpy. He's kind of a loser. Mom's a babe. Teenage kids, all they do is gang up on dad and make fun of dad. So these kids are growing up, not only through the public school systems we have over the last 30 years, which have always been bad, but they've just really gotten horrible all the way through our universities. But we're teaching kids to not care about having family, care about your parents, certainly not caring about the father. And... Um, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing because a confused generation of men for the media is much easier to control than a truth-seeking generation of men. Yes. And that's what I'm fighting out there. Well, and you you're know, the Hollywood perfect person. The to, you're the yeah. perfect person to talk about this, Kevin, because you built your whole career, Hercules, as sort of the ultimate alpha male, right? The mythical god, Hercules. And so you were the perfect voice for this. I'm just going to chime in here because uh, as a female, <laughs> I recognize the value of men. And that's what I, that's what is so mind boggling with this is that the feminists have basically eradicated manhood to, to the point that there is, they're, they're trying to, uh, to erase the distinction between the, the two genders. And that's really the, the sad part. And so we're going to have a, a generation of lost children um, who are growing up with this kind of mindset um, and and not understanding the the order of things? I was going to say before that you know there's a there's a certain part of the the persecution that um, you know at some point you realize you should just count it all joy. We have an opportunity here that okay it didn't come the way that we had hoped or expected, but in fact we're ministering to people who understand the truth and who want. To, who want to recognize the truth, want to have it recognize them. And that's what we do. Um, and we're honored to be able to serve in this capacity with our creative talents, frankly. It's such a gift. You know, God gave both of you tremendous gifts, talents, opportunities, and a platform. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, Kevin. I think God gave you Hercules so that he could do something else with you. And Sam, and you're doing it. You've listened to his message to you. And in terms of like the manliness issue, I cannot thank you enough for taking the bull by the horns here, writing this book, The Test of Lionhood. Again, bravebooks.com, you can go get it. And everybody should be reading this um, because every once in a while, I'll flip through cable. And I will see like the old time movies, like the old time Westerns from the 40s or the 50s or even the 60s. Uh, John Wayne at the White House, Frank Sinatra at the White House. I mean, these were men. And the signal from our culture was not only was it fine to be a man, it was necessary 
to have that kind of masculine energy in the home, in the community, in the country. And Sam, you're exactly right. The gender agenda, the trans agenda, all of it, uh, boys competing with girls and in girls sports and the rest of it. It is about erasing the distinction. It's not just about erasing boys and or erasing girls. It's about erasing the distinction. And we need to bring that distinction back, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Monica, the stronger the men, the stronger the family, the community, right. even the whole country. We need our boys to become strong men. We need that so they can lead their families, communities in a far better direction because the Bible calls for men to be the providers. That doesn't take away from women's equality. That Women simply have a different role in the family unit. And you need both of those to sit there, I think, to raise strong, strong boys. And it's just crazy what we're doing right now to all these kids confusing them and marching them down this different way. Teachers now that are, you know, math teachers are now showing transgender films instead of math. I'm going, wait a minute. When I was in school, my math teacher, my biology teacher, that's what they taught. Now they're teaching you how to hate, telling you where to vote, telling you not to believe in God. It's just, it's crazy. And, you know, coming from Sam's world, who's, you know, I know you want to get there. We're talking about Sam with what she does with homeschooling. Um, the blessing of COVID is that two million more families are now homeschooling because they woke up realizing the public schools suck and that they they just they're they're, they're stripping the kids of individuality, they're stripping <laughs> the kids of thinking, they're stripping the kids of having any sort of individual thought, and they're, they're making them all little robots. And we need what's going on with what Sam's doing. That too many more families will said, "Wait a minute, it's time to stop using public schools as a babysitting service." And Sam, you can take it from here because that's your end. Yeah, let's talk about homeschooling, Sam, because I've wanted you on the show for quite a long time to talk about uh, the whole concept of homeschooling and how logistically it is done. We are now starting a brand new school year. A lot of kids, especially, in, uh, well, a lot of kids around the country have already started in the Northeast. They're starting this week or next week. You guys have both homeschooled your children. So, Sam, you've been a powerful advocate for this. How did it start for you? How did homeschooling grab your attention? How did you guys decide to, to pull the trigger and do it? Well, I tell you, uh, you know, my oldest went through second grade at our local public school. We moved to our to our town where we lived in Southern California for the school. And I just didn't feel like he was getting educated. I, I felt like there were too many things that were jump that were dropping through the cracks and there wasn't enough um, to support leaving him in the school. And I said to Kevin, I think that I could fail at homeschooling him, but he will still be better off because of all the detrimental effects of him being in a classroom every day with unruly children um, and a teacher who really wasn't terribly accountable. Um, so, and, and by the way, like I was a super involved parent. I, I was the guilty parent. I felt terrible sort of dropping my kids off with complete strangers every day. I felt like I needed to be involved. I needed to bake for the bake sales. I needed to be part of the PTA. I taught art in the classroom. I mean, I was super involved. And so when I realized that, I just said, okay, I'm going to try it on like a coat. I'm just going to try it on over the summer and see how it feels. And by the end of the summer, my kids were saying, are we going to be homeschooled? Are we going to do that? That sounds fun. Um, because I, because I, of course, convinced them that it would be fun. And so then I was kind of stuck, so I had to do it. <laughs> and it was fun. Now, here's, here's, where, here's the rub. If you enjoyed school, then you think that there's no harm in school. But I didn't enjoy school, and I was a good student. I still felt incapable of teaching my children. That ought to tell you something, right? If you feel like you can't homeschool because you're incapable, then what good was your education? 
So I want you to, to rethink the way that you think about education, because if you feel incapable, that means you weren't educated. And so why would you go back to that for your child to get a so-called education when you know that you weren't educated? If you are incapable of what we're now calling homeschooling, then that, that's the impeachment of your own education, and therefore you shouldn't put your kids into that. But then that begs the question, so then what is what are they accomplishing if it's not education? Because it's not. It's anti-education. And why don't you want to homeschool? Because you hated it. I hated school. Now, Kevin didn't hate school because he was the popular jock. <laughs> so he had a great time at school. And so for him, when we first started, he was kind of like, I don't know why, because school's so much fun. But I convinced him over the, over time. And in fact, what he started to realize because he traveled so much was, my goodness, he actually had a chance to spend time with his kids and be a dad. Because the school robs the children of primarily their fathers. Because who's doing the drop-off and the pickup? At least mom is there for that. But dad's at the office. He comes home. Maybe they have dinner together. Probably not. And then somebody takes them to soccer or, you know, judo or whatever. So what, what we've seen happen is our schools have robbed our culture of the family. That's really, it's this grand larceny that nobody is talking about. But there is the demise of the family. And so what I talk about with home education is don't focus that much on the academics. The academics are maybe a third of the whole picture. Education is the rearing of the child into adulthood. Adulthood is not what we are receiving at the end of the school system. We have kids graduating college who don't know how to hold down a job, much less live independently. So, so growing into adulthood is not the purview of the education system. They're growing grown children we've ended up with. And that's why the, the, there's a huge shift in the younger population to be liberals because liberals are people who haven't actually grown up yet. <laughs> that, that is exactly right. What do you say? the truth, right? Sam, what do you say to people who counter that and say, okay, that's all well and good. We understand where you're coming from. But aren't these children missing the socialization aspect that is so critical (laughs) to getting them to function in society, deal with other human beings? How do you counter that argument? Why would I think that my child would benefit from being steeped in a vat of other children? in any way, shape, or form, specifically socially, why would they benefit from other children their own age? No, if you want your children well-socialized, socialize them with adults, people who know how to be social, not with other children who don't know what the heck they're doing. Why would my child be able to minister to another child on how to be social? They're both children. It's obs- and by the way, I don't know if you know, but the rule in the classroom is no talking. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So there is no socialization to be had. But the whole socialization, and by the way, excuse me, I thought we were talking about education, right? Now we're talking about socialization? That's a completely different topic. So why bring it up when we're talking about the schooling of the child, right? It's a, it's a chimera. It's a distraction. And it's, and it's completely inadequate. To, to address the question of education at all. Socialization, and that's, that's why, you know, now people are realizing, hey, 
those homeschool kids are really social. They're more social than the kids who go to school. And that's why Harvard and Princeton and Yale are actively recruiting homeschoolers, because these are children who have learned to think outside the box, not be institutionalized zombies that the schools churn out. There's so much more to this. There's so much more to unpack. And here's the problem. People think that they can't do it because they have no idea what homeschooling is. What do you tell people then, Sam, because I know we probably have a lot of uh, parents, new parents listening today, uh, or even parents of uh, children who are already in the public school system or even in a private uh, school setting, and they may want to undertake homeschooling, but they feel intimidated. You know, you guys are trained actors. You're not trained teachers, right? There are others out there who are trained accountants or house painters or plumbers or whatever it might be. And they're saying, how can I possibly take this on? This is too intimidating. How do I give my children a quality education? Um, play, you know, I, I will have them at home so I can take care of their faith-based, uh, you know, education and their values and everything else. But how do I give them a quality education that meets state standards? Right. I just don't know how to do that. What do you say to them? Okay, hold on, hold on, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to interject. Sam knows I'm very busy. I've got 12 interviews today, and I got one starting right now, so I got to jump off. We're going to run. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate it. Yeah, you and Sam continue, and make sure you get a plug for Miracle in East Texas. You got it. Thank you so much, (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) Bye. Okay, Sam, go ahead. So, So here's the thing. We see what's happening in the schools today. What's happening in the schools today is the result of the school. Why would you want to have anything to do with that? You see what I'm saying? Like, we haven't been taught discernment. So I'm giving everybody maybe a crash course right now in discernment. But honestly, the schools have produced themselves. They are self-produced. So why would you look to the schools for any information on what education is, since this is what they are calling education today? Then you go back and you go, okay, so what are my hopes and aspirations for my child? Well, if you want your child to be a paycheck, maybe the school is the right place because their whole thing is college prep and career readiness, even though they're not accomplishing it. They claim to be all about making your child ready to hold a job and have a career, which is a paycheck. But we value children for themselves, for their individuality, for creatures uh, that have been created by God, right? That's a completely different um, value set. Or, or value proposition, if you will, for the child. So what I do is I train parents to look at education differently. It is the rearing of the child. Now, academics figures in a certain, to a certain degree in that, of course, you want your child to know how to read. But you can teach your child how to read, and then you need to find good books for him to read. Don't, don't look at the crap that they're putting in schools today, right? You, does the child need to know math? Yeah, basic math. You can teach your child basic math. Did you pass calculus? Are you excellent at calculus? Maybe that's not what your child needs either. I don't know, right? So it's not just put them on a treadmill and stuff knowledge into their brains like like they're some kind of machine. This isn't data entry like what they taught us education was when we went to school. Education is the rearing of the child. You want your child to be an upstanding citizen of the nation. You want them to revere God. You want them to be giving and forgiving. You want them to know values. That's education. In fact, the Bible says that the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. 
but we have a, 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 a so-called education system, a school system that purports to educate and completely ignore the Bible, completely ignore the existence of God, completely ignore any spirituality whatsoever. And yet it still claims to be, uh, to be involved in the education of children. Come on. As Christians, we ought to look at that askance. I developed a resource for parents. It's called the Playbook for Home Learning. It's a 15-video series for parents. I, I, I keep reiterating. It's for the parents because the parents have to get the school mindset out of their minds and start and look at their child as an individual created by God as a gift that they have the privilege and the honor to open and find out what's inside and then guide and direct the child to be the best version of what God created them to be. Does that make sense? Uh, Absolutely. And that is, I mean, that really sums up the benefits of homeschooling because you will have total control over your child and what is being inputted into that child. Whereas when you give the child to a school, Uh, For eight or nine hours a day, you have no control over that. You are protecting the child from indoctrination. You are protecting that child from the woke mind virus. Uh, You're protecting that child from social contagions like the gender agenda and the trans agenda. You are protecting your child from all of that while giving your child a quality education, imbuing them with uh, faith, with the values of your family, and you're socializing them in a different way by, by, and in a more healthy way by having them expand their minds and, uh, and have that benefit of being home uh, with them. And that's not to say they don't have friends. Obviously, they've got friends and they, they play with their friends and they're out in the world. But homeschooling also, by the way, homeschooling has the benefit of not being subject to the teachers unions and the whims of that incredibly yeah. <laughs> evil political organization, right? Exactly. And I'll just say, you know, people think that school is eight hours a day. Education does not take that long. So that's why a lot of people say, well, I can't homeschool because I work. Yes, you can. I worked all through the years that I homeschooled three children. Um, You just need some flexible hours. And it's maybe an hour or two uh, of your day, depending on how many kids you have. Because the kids go off and they study their own stuff on their own time. You know, you, you, you supervise. And the supervisory role is not a full-time role. So it's, it's more than doable. And it's the greatest blessing you'll ever know. That's what, that's what get, kills me is, you know, my, the, the relationship that I have with my children now who are teenagers is remarkable. And, you know, culture told me my teenagers would rebel. Teenagers don't rebel naturally. Teenagers rebel because they go to school. Social contagion, peer pressure, it's all there in spades in schools. And so I think you're exactly right. Um, what would you say to parents who, number one, say, well, I'd love to do this, but I just don't have the resources to do it. Um, and number two, what would you say to parents who want to do this and are, and are able to do it, but their children are like, I don't want to do this. I want to go to school. Okay, so older kids who have already been indoctrinated by the schools, you have to unindoctrinate them. So you have to convince them that they want to do it. I did it with my kids by telling them every day when I picked them up from school, I'd ask if they had homework. And then I'd say, oh, that's too bad, because if you were homeschooled, you'd be done by now, which is the truth. Um, School doesn't take doesn't take the child eight hours a day or seven hours a day or even six or five hours a day. Um, So I'm just saying, like, there's a way to get it done. You have to learn how to. how to be uh, a little canny, 
a, a little manipulative with your children to convince them if, if in fact you're, uh, you have to convince them. But, um, um, I just want to say resources, you are a human being with talent. Can you impart those talents to your child? Great. You've become a teacher. It's that simple. It's really that simple. Are there, there's an abundance of curriculum online. Not that I would necessarily think that you need curricula, um, uh, but it's, but it can be useful. So I'm not, I'm not advocating to go grab curricula. I'm not advocating not to, I'm just saying there are plenty of great reading books for kids to read, for you to read with them, for you to discuss with them. You can discuss a book, even if you never read it, they can have read it and you can ask them about the book. Uh, there's just, there's a, a whole panoply the education of your child done. Do not lock yourself into the school box that you grew up in. So, and, and by the way, I developed to go along with our movie Miracle in East Texas, I developed a homeschool packet. So that's, I'm offering that for free at sorbostudios.com. And it's basically an introduction to homeschooling for parents. It's a little guide. So you go watch the movie. And then because the movie is inspired by a true story, we do a little bit on the history of the events that actually happened a little bit about some of the themes in the movie, including the theme of forgiveness, because that's a valuable lesson for children to dive into and explore. And um, just, it's, it's a whole packet about that. It, 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 it happens during the depression. So there's a whole segment about the depression. And that's something that's very valuable for kids to learn about the benefits of oil, uh, because the movie is, you know, has to do with oil and how oil raised uh, a whole community out of the depths of the depression. Um, right at its height. It's an incredible story and they need to understand the benefits of oil. In fact, between you and me, there's a, there's a page and a half, four columns wide of things that we use on a, on a daily basis that are made from oil. That if we, if we do away with oil, we will do away with, well, we wouldn't be having this phone call if I didn't have access to petroleum products, but you know, right. That, that is exactly right. Literally everything we consume <laughs> has oil or oil-based products built into it. Because even if it's not made in some way, some component of oil, it was transported to you somehow and not by magic. Um, So that's right. And also, you know, this film is so important for history as well. Um, You know, I went to go see Oppenheimer recently, and the entire theater was like people 50 and over. And I thought, you know, what a shame that younger people really have no interest in American history anymore. So this is a a critical part of that as well. The movie is called Miracle in East Texas. It stars Kevin and Sam Sorbo, among many others, like Louis Gossett Jr. and and so many others. It's got a phenomenal cast, really entertaining, and also really important to go see and support. Go to SorboStudios.com, get your tickets now for this huge Fathom event, um, showing the film in theaters nationwide at the end of October. This is how we change the culture, guys. This is how we send a signal to the powers that be in Hollywood, Washington, and elsewhere that we choose this kind of content and we vote with our wallets and our little behinds in the chairs in these movie theaters. So please (laughs) go check it out. Miracle in East Texas 
sorbostudios.com. Also, you can check out Sam's uh, great guide, like an introductory guide to homeschooling. If you're interested in that, there's so many benefits to homeschooling. So do your research. Start with Sam's uh, great introductory packet there. And then she's got a longer video uh, course as well on homeschooling. So check that out as well at sorbostudios.com. And Kevin's brand new book on the importance of masculinity. It's called The Test of Lionhood. And you can find it at sorbostudios.com, also bravebooks.com. Sam, I want to thank you and Kevin so much for joining me here and for covering so much important ground with us. It's always a pleasure to to chat with you, and this has been a lot of fun. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here and for checking out our fantastic sponsors. We all really appreciate that. I will see you right back here on Thursday with breaking news coming at us, more on the Obama project that we have undertaken, and we're going to talk to Larry Elder about his presidential campaign, uh, the black community, fatherlessness in America, and how we can address all of those issues. So, big show coming up here on Thursday. I will see you then. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust. With one click, you and your team can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with personalized suggestions. You'll be amazed at what you can do. Go to Grammarly.com go to download for free. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.